Well, good morning, good morning. It's Sunday morning at 7.30 and you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name is A.B. Bishop and I'm standing in for Pam Vardy this morning who is at home nursing a rather sick dog. So Pam, I hope the little pup um, improves very soon. But one of my favourite parts of hosting the show is getting to uh, catch up with a bunch of experts that that come in, either whether whether I'm hosting or whether I'm on the panel. It really is terrific to catch up with people, i.e. pick the brains of. And um, today is no exception, as uh, joining me in the studio is um, Evan Gorky from Oka Landscapes. How are you, Evan? Very well, A.B., yourself? Good, good, good. Um, also joining us later will be another landscape designer, Loretta Childs, who is on her way in as we speak. Um, I think she might have slept in. Um, but, <laughs> Fair enough, it's quite drizzly. It is there. quite drizzly, but I'm very much looking forward to um, being able to speak with two landscape designers, so um, that, that, that should be quite terrific. And, and how's everything been in your world? Uh, it's been very, very busy. Um, I've been on a on a study trip over to Europe on mm-hmm. my own, which was which was fantastic, which we can perhaps talk about later. Um, and uh, yeah, work works very busy. Got, mm-hmm. got um, a few uh, community hubs uh, that we've been doing. One one's just been finished recently. Um, another one's being built at the moment, which is quite exciting. It's uh, it's quite interesting, mm-hmm. I think. Um, uh, again, you know, as usual, lots and lots of trees in, in our designs. Um, and, uh, you know, the results are, are really good. I mean, the one that opened at Altona, uh, start of, uh, this year filled immediately 160 odd children. Whoa. In an older part of Altona too, yeah. not in a new, you know, not in a new estate mm-hmm. or so. And, uh, you know, and of course, we put that down to the fantastic garden. Of course. <laughs> Nothing to do with the building. Well, was there anything there that was established or was it all, um, all new, given that it was an older it, setting? Yeah, look, there, there were a couple of existing trees, um, but uh, like, like all of these areas, uh, once you put a smacking great big building into a, into a, a fairly vacant site, there's, a, there's not much chance of keeping many of the trees. Mm. Um, sometimes there is, so there were a few kept. Um, the one that's being built at Purnell Road, which is this side of Geelong, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's in Geelong itself, that's got a couple of really lovely red gums in it, which, uh, you know, we were, we were there early enough on site to, to help to site the building. Yep. Um, and uh, and so they they're fantastic mm-hmm. that they're one one's just inside the site and one's just outside but it's effectively inside its roots are inside its canopy yeah, okay. is inside yeah. um, so that that's really really nice so you know it's always a shame to see the trees that come down mm. but uh, on that site the ones that did come down and there was a couple of other red gums that came down we're using that timber in the landscape yeah. so at least it's being used and um, yeah being utilized as, as pathways or just logs in the garden and that type of thing sure so, so as a designer do you in in that sort of situation do you go out of your way to to try and uh, keep pl- keep trees in place rather oh, than yeah rather than yeah. I mean because they do I mean they do such a good job don't they I mean mm. not only design wise but also ecologically I suppose yeah no absolutely because um, trees are toys um, so tr- trees offer lots and lots of play things yep. for kids 
Uh, so the more trees you have, the more variety of trees you have. <laughs> I've never thought of them like that. That is, yeah, <laughs> such a great way of looking at it mm, from yeah. a kid's perspective. Yeah, absolutely, because they, they might have interesting bark they can peel off. They might have fruit that they drop that they can play with. And particularly young girls love to make potions. Mm-hmm. You know, and you'll often see that tucked away in a corner. There'll be a little gathering, you know, a little bit like a, 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 a messy bird nest, you know, that, yep, yep. that they've sat there and they've gathered bits and pieces and, and that might be things that have fallen off trees so yeah having existing trees is really really important had a very uh, interesting conversation with an architect the other day for a job down in Gippsland where we've just done the planting plan and for that job and uh, he sent through a list from the organization that will be operating this this and I won't name who it is but <laughs> but the operators sent through several lists one of them was uh, plants that we should use mm-hmm. And that was like an across Australia list. Mm. It was incredibly limited. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't really stick with that. <clears throat> um, then another list that was sent through after the, the design was done was a list of plants that you weren't to use. And this, this was lifted off more or less off a website, um, uh, Sustainable Gardening Australia. Oh, yes. And um, I, I didn't. I only realised that it had come off that site when I started researching some of the things that were on there. Mm-hmm. One of the things that was on there was um, all eucalypts. Yeah. All, all of them? Yep, all Gosh, of them. All that eucalypts. That surprises me for SGA. That really does. Yeah, yeah. So I have tried to contact SGA. I did send them an email to ask, you know, and have a discussion about mm-hmm. it. And, I, and I hopefully we will because... It's a, it's a really interesting thing. So that, that landscape has an existing eucalypt on it. So I had to say to the architect, well, this is the list you've, been, you've provided that I have to adhere to, um, and it's got eucalypts on it. I think the issue is degrees of um, poisonous, if you like. Mm-hmm. So if you sit down and distill gum leaves and, and you know, and drink a whole stack of it or, or eat it, yes, you're going to have a problem. Um, but from day to day, there's not going to be an issue. And we put gum trees in, in landscapes all the time. I, I sort um, of think if you <clears throat> sit down and eat any old plant, yes. you know, apart from fruits <laughs> and vegetables, you're going to well, have a bit of an issue. Well, surprisingly, all prunus were also in the list. Okay. Plums. Yep. Uh, I, I think it was plums, apricots, um, maybe almonds, yep. s- something along those lines. And I guess because the kernels have a tiny amount of um, cyanide, cyanide yeah. in them. But in reality, that's not an issue. Mm. So I think this is a bit of a problem we have in this part of the industry in that there's so much information out there, but it's not well defined. Mm. So it's, it's degrees of poisonous, uh, that we, poisons that we have to be careful about because the moment it's on a list you have to adhere to it Mm, mm. it's like uh you know it's a school or an organization that um wants to put a new building somewhere um and way ahead of time they'll they'll get an arborist in to assess a tree which they know in the long term will have to go Mm. and they do that because an arborist can always find a fault in a tree Mm. And then the moment it's documented, the school is obliged to deal with it. And generally, that means taking it down. 
That, that is really so sad, isn't it? So they've had success. <laughs> when, when you were saying that the, the, all the ukes are on this list, I thought you were going to say because of uh, dropping branches. I thought no, that was going to be the issue, but no, it's poison. It's, it's poison in the leaf. Okay, that's really, really bizarre. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the other thing that's bizarre is all the fruit trees that are in it as well um, because we always put fruit trees into So what playgrounds. trees make the grade? <laughs> one, one well, tree. See, I, well, lots of lots of trees make the grade, um, but uh, the problem is, is you don't ever see a list. Well, very rarely. I mean, there is a list from this provider of plants that you can use, but of course, it's incredibly restrictive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we tested every plant in the world for issues, mm. there would be nothing we could use. Mm. Probably, mm. because like you say, if you ate um, five kilos of leaves of, of anything, uh, you, you'd probably be unwell. Mm. You're not going to be critically unwell, but you'll be unwell. Um, you might turn into a koala. <laughs> you might turn into a koala, that's right. But it's a really interesting thing. And I, it just came up this week when that list came through and, and I started looking onto, on the net about work. And then I realised that that's exactly where that list came from. Yeah. And lists are great. You know, we, you know there's plant, some plants that you really shouldn't use. And for the unsuspecting, you know, you, you have to be careful. But I think they more or less need to be rated. Mm. And then it comes up to the, the centre to say, well, you know, this this is definitely out. You know, categories one, two, three, four are definitely out. Categories five and six, you know. So, so okay. the school in, in <coughs> question, they approached you and they said this um, is the list that we want to... Uh, it's not a school, to... it's a childcare oh, okay. organisation, okay, an Australia-wide gotcha. yep. childcare association. Okay, sure. Mm. Which, which is slightly different because, you know, toddlers and whatnot are much more inclined to stick things in their mouths, as we know. So mm. you could sort of understand it a little bit better than if it was, say, a primary school or, or a high mm. school, certainly. Mm. So mm. They, they've just said, oh, we want to use this um, SGA list. Well, I'm, it's, it's their list, it's the, but it's been lifted from the SGA website. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow, yeah. I have to research that and, um, mm. yeah, have a chat with the SGA and see, I suppose, why and how they came up yeah. with that list. And yeah, I'd like to be involved in that and, and actually maybe uh, refine that list a little bit in the way of giving more information mm. about it because, you know, because once it's on a list, then... That's it. Can't use it. Yeah, and I guess also there's the the situation with the gum nuts. You know that that really is a choking hazard. And if these trees are dropping gum nuts everywhere, that the uh, kids are potentially uh, going to ingest. That could yeah, be an issue. I suppose. Um, again, uh, gum nuts are great toys. Yeah. So there's a balance. Yeah. These are supervised places. Uh, different if you're dealing with say autistic children. Mm. Uh, or, or something like that, um, but uh, you know the the what what uh, the debris that comes off trees, what they that offers is far more important than you know it, as long as there's supervision mm. than the potential risk because the risk is very small. And if you go around, there's lots of child centres, older ones especially that that have lots of plants in them that you think, oh, that's uh, that that's that's potentially terrible, you know, like arum lilies or something mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. have always been there. Yep. Um, and then you talk to the people, you know, has there any been, ever been any issues with, no, no, is that a problem, that, that plant? You know, mm. it might have been operating for 30 years. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the hospitalisation rates and so on are very, are very low. Mm. I don't want to discount it because obviously, you know, there, 
there are risks, mm. and we have to be very careful. Um, but there are pretty good uh, hospital records across Australia showing what people have either phoned in about, you know, from the poisons mm-hmm. line, what people have phoned in about or uh, what has been presented. And you can scan those lists um, and, and sort of work out, well, what are the things that, that people are sort of coming in for? Uh, and, and often uh, you, you have to take it a little bit with a grain of salt because sometimes people don't quite know what the plant is. Yep. And so it's really on a, on a description and then uh, yeah, it might be this or it might be that. Um, and this, this has come up a few times. So the other, the other tree that was on, on the list, and, and I hope maybe someone out there will, will know, um, but Cotinus, mm-hmm. uh, smokebush, yep. was, was on the list. Now, now I've, it certainly has therapeutic, um, uses, Cotinus, mm-hmm. as far as I'm aware. Um, but I've never heard of any poisonings of mm-hmm. it. And one of the things about it is that its old genus name was Roos. R H U S yes. U yeah. yeah. S. Yeah. So um Russ. Um so that 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 is a problem. Tree yeah. gives terrible skin mm-hmm. conditions yep. and, and so on. So I don't know whether that's a hangover and so it's on the list because it's a hangover because of the genus that it used to be in and so that entire genus gets knocked out. Mm. Um or, or if it really is an issue. I'm not sure about that. We've used cotitis in schools mm-hmm. uh, regularly over many years uh, and never had a problem because it is a great tough tree uh, and, and offers really interesting colour and form and, and tolerates wind and, and all sorts of things. Yeah. We've never put it into a primary school or, or, a, um, or a kinder. But, um, you know, it's one of those ones where you wonder, you know, is, is there actually an issue or is it just because of the hangover? Of the name, and because it was in that genus, then it's a problem. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like the oxalis thing. I know I've heard Stephen Ryan talk about it before. You know, there was uh, an ox- oxalis just generally was banned in New South Wales or, or yeah, something oxalis like that. Yeah, oxalis overall, and, and right. they were saying there's a, there's a native, native species. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's really easy to just see, get a genus and say, bang, that genus is, is horrendous, and yeah. so you can't use any of it. Um, and you know there, there there are obviously genuses that are aren't great. You know euphorbia is one of them. Um, although there was a discussion on Instagram the other day about euphorbia, and uh, we've had a lot of experience with euphorbia when I had a maintenance business as well. Mm-hmm. And one of our gardeners was incredibly allergic mm-hmm. to uh, euphorbia, but it wasn't all of them. It was and it was only. Um, Mercenides and Regida mm-hmm. uh, really made his whole body blow up. The sap or the just sap? The, yeah, okay. Yeah, so the sap. So just touching the sap. Yep. Just touching the sap gave him an amazing allergic mm-hmm. reaction. Um, we also had a a, a, um, a client that had an amazing reaction to um, Mercenides, mm-hmm. and she ended up going in and getting steroid injections. It was, it was that severe. Um, and the other thing that we had once was we had uh, Mercenides planted, or it might have been Regida, planted around a pond, quite a small pond, and the client pruned it, pruned it. And uh, the next morning, all the fish were floating ah. on, the <laughs> on the surface. Um, thankfully, they didn't have any names yet, mm-hmm. so, you know, that was okay. But, um, yeah, the, the sap dripped into the water. Yeah. And I probably... Wherever the, that euphorbia comes from, it's probably used for, 
for killing fish for eating, probably, yes, yes, yes. much like Aboriginals used yes, to do it here. Absolutely. Different, different uh, plants. So, but wolf and I, we we've had no problems with, unless you put it in your eye. Yeah. Um, you know, if you. Uh, but interesting, you know that that one gardener who was very allergic, uh, still and still to this day has no issue with. Wolf and I, and he's been working with it now for 20 years. Mm. It's interesting because I sort of felt that we were heading more towards rewilding our schools and our play <laughs> centres and everything, but it seems to be that, um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, red tape, I suppose, getting in the way. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult. And uh, I know, um, speaking with Melbourne Uni a couple of years ago about this, because there, pro- there was a particular question about a plan. I spoke with John Rayner and, and so on, and, and I know there's a PhD in the offering there, mm. you know, for this. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure quite what he, how he's structured it, but I know he's got one sitting there waiting for somebody to, to hopefully pick up one day. Uh, because it's an issue. Um, you know, I, I saw the other day um, on, a, on a council list uh, that Mayapuram was on it. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of Mayapuram being on a list. Mayapuram's commonly used um, uh, in in landscapes. Mm. And um, what was the argument for that? Well, there's been some recent research into Mayapuram <laughs> that said that um, whatever the chemical is that's in the leaf could give you kidney failure. Mm, goodness. So now that's what not. You look at it. <laughs> <laughs> so now you can't use it. Now again, it didn't. I don't think it was specific as to which species. Yeah. So uh, we we do like to use um, sticky boobiella mm-hmm. um, and the ground cover yeah. parvifolium, yeah. um, and and so we do use those two plants, particularly where you're trying to block things out, um, you know, block out of view or or, yeah. or create a small windbreak, or you know, if it's in a fire-prone area or something like that. Uh, now, bang, we can't use that. Mm. Now, what's the degree of risk? I don't know. Mm. Don't know, mm. but it's now on a list, so you can't use it. Mm. <laughs> so we get it again. Only if you eat the plant, you. Well, it doesn't even say, to be honest, in that research. I looked up the research. It was incredibly complicated research, so I couldn't make couldn't heads or tail. Yep. And there was no real summary of it. And without sort of spending a couple of days and trying to contact the researchers and so on, um, you just have to say, oh well, can't use it. Um, but that's a really common one to say it's going to give you kidney failure or liver failure. Um, you know, that, that sort of information that, that comes. But whether it's actually a thing yeah, yeah. in reality is, 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 yeah. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, you look at something like gastrolobium, which basically is the um, 1080 is derivative of the gastrolobium plants, mm-hmm. and yet we use them through the landscape uh, we certainly sell a lot of them at, at work at Karanga. Mm. Um, they're extremely popular. Um, and, you know, there, there is um, research to show that animals over in the West where the, the plant naturally occurs or the plants mm. naturally occur, they have got a, um, a higher degree of tolerance to this sort of 1080, whereas if the plants that are planted here, um, possums and, and wallabies and whatnot that graze on it can actually be affected by them. There you go. Yeah, so, mm. I mean, but it's interesting that myoporum, which I've never heard of, which doesn't mean, of course, that it's not poisonous, mm. and yet um, gastrolobiums, which are known to be poisonous, that's, um, I wonder if they're on a list. Well, I've never, seen, I've never seen gastrolobium on a list, I must say. It's not a plant we tend to use either, so 
Um, but I've never seen it on a list. Yeah. That, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, yeah. As you say, I'm sure there's, uh, gosh, I'm sure there's a lot of plants that could be on poison lists. Yeah. Um, or, or not used for certain things, but I mean, I think back to my childhood and I spent so much time outside dissecting plants. I would stand in front of like canna lilies, for example, yeah. and completely dissect them and mm. hibiscus and all those. And you had little stories to tell as you dissected the flower about, you know, undressing a particular person and, <laughs> you know, as you pulled a petal off. And, and it was, you got to, that's how you got to know plants. Mm. And it just seems a real shame if because mm. of all this red tape and mm. um, people getting overexcited about, uh, yeah, what could the, the potential, I suppose, of what could happen. Yes. It's, um, it, it seems that it's going to be doing more harm than good in the long run because it's taking away that interaction. Well, I think if it keeps going the way it is, um, because it is, it's, every, it's so regular that another plant gets sort of dropped in and eucalypts was an eye-opener for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What? <laughs> but it is, you know, I mean, the more and more children are in childcare, mm-hmm. uh, it's a growing trend, obviously, and so those companies have to mitigate risk. So it's their responsibility to make sure there's a safe place. Mm. Can you imagine if... Um, uh, a child ate a couple of kilos of gum leaves and then uh, went home and had a, a crook stomach and then it was diagnosed that they'd eaten gum leaves and therefore the, that centre should have known. Mm, you, you would like to think that the uh, childcare workers would have noticed before they got to that point. <laughs> or when they were in the corner. Maybe cor- when it was just in the mouth or, yeah. <laughs> or they were in the corner with a little fire and a billy going <laughs> and distilling. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I, think, I think the one that disturbed me the most was, the fact that the, the fruit trees were on it, mm-hmm. all fruit, you know, all these fruit trees. Um, I don't think apples were on it, which is again one that the, the seeds have a, have a problem. But and the the choking risk is uh, is an interesting one as well. Um, that that particular list um, did mention, you know, choking. Mm. Um, and now I'm just trying to think of the plant now, but then on their list of plants that you, you could use. Oh, it was olives. Mm-hmm. They had olives on there. Okay, yep. Now, there's a lot of uh, councils that will say, oh, we can't use olives mm-hmm. because it's a choking risk. Yep. Um, but olives was on their list of preferred plants. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, there's this continual contradiction of, of what you can use and what you can't. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you can get low-fruiting olives. You can get basically non-fruiting olives. Yep. It, it's a bit like um, Melia Azedorag. Mm-hmm. Um, the white cedar. The white yep. cedar. That's right. Um, uh, you can't use that, uh, and and the fruit is uh, particularly poisonous. Apparently, mm-hmm. um, I've and not so seen the leaves, well, to, to the leaves as well. Yes. Yeah, to so stop. I've never that's heard right. Of it being poisonous to people, but no, that's because you don't usually that's right. Dish it up at dinner. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. But there's also lots of trees in in the country and in Europe where I've just been. You do you do see them, um, and. Uh, you don't hear if like there's none that I saw in the records of, of people having issues from it, but to blanket ban the whole, you know that whole species is not great either because there are there is a one that was that came out of Burnley that doesn't fruit, so you can use the tree. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that that doesn't show on the list. Mm. The list it'll just have that that species. Yeah. 
which is a shame, and it's a little bit like the olives. You know, olives can be quite a good tree, especially if you're doing something out in the west. Mm. Uh, and if you have a, a non-fruiting variety, um, you know, that can be a really useful tree mm-hmm. in a new estate um, play space where it's windy and yep. dry yep. and, you know, horrific ground. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you, you just, you can't. Yeah. But it depends, it de- look, it depends on the council, it depends on the provider, it depends on, everyone has a different opinion. Yeah, absolutely. So this is why we need someone to do a PhD. Oh, goodness <laughs> To say, here we go, yeah, this is... It's, uh, this yeah. is what you can do. Yeah, well, we should continue this conversation when our other guest arrives because uh, she is also doing a lot of work in um, mm. in the in the child care sort of centre. So um, I should get to some community announcements. Um, but first of all, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show and uh, my name is A.B. Bishop. So let me get to some community announcements, a, a reasonable amount um, given that it is winter. Uh, so first of all, just in regards to the uh, Royal Botanic Gardens Children's Garden, uh, that's actually closed at the moment. It's um, scheduled to reopen on the 1st of September. Uh, I actually went to take a, um, a South African uh, visitor who I had staying with me, my cousin from South Africa, Cathy. She was here and I said, let's go to the Children's Garden. And it was unfortunately the first day that it was closed, which was a, a real shame. But uh, so usually they shut it over winter to, to give it a bit of a rest. But um, this year they're, closed, they're making significant repairs across the whole garden. Um, they're going to um, give a bit of TLC to various plants, trees and the infrastructure um, so that the public can enjoy the garden to its fullest when spring finally arrives. Um, so they're talking about uh, removing and replanting grass, applying sand, gravel and mulch, um, all sorts of things. So obviously not a job that can be done with um, little munchkins running here, there and everywhere. Uh, so that, uh, yeah, so the Children's Garden will reopen on 1st of September. Okay, so the Warringal Orchid Society, so obviously that time of year uh, for orchids, which are madly doing their thing. Uh, Warringal Orchid Society has got its Winter Orchid Show. And uh, this, is, this is today from 9.30am to 4pm. And the venue is the St. Sava Community Centre. So Sava is S-A-V-A, Community Centre at 212 Diamond Creek Road in Greensboro. Entry is $5 and it's a cash-only event. Uh, There's light refreshments, potting demonstrations, orchid accessories are available. Um, So that's the Warringal Orchid Society Winter Orchid Show. The uh, Waverley Bonsai Group have got their bonsai show for the year on at the Mount Waverley Community Centre, which is on the corner of Stevenson's Road and Miller Crescent in Mount Waverley. And this will be on the 10th and 11th of August. Um, On the Saturday, it's open from 10am till 4.30pm. And on the Sunday, it's open from 10am till 4pm. It's uh, $5 for adults and uh, children under 16 are free. There will be continuous demonstrations, uh, which I think is always 
fascinating to watch because, um, yeah, I never know how they do these amazing bonsais and there's a lot of root pruning involved, of course, as well as uh, the, the, the foliage and um, reshaping of branches. Uh, so there will be continuous demonstrations. They'll be You'll be able to meet and talk with uh, um, top bonsai experts. Uh, there'll be an excellent display of mature bonsai and uh, a well-stocked trading area with books, pots, trees, tools, wire, advanced stock, semi-trained and fully trained bonsai trees. So you can um, give it a go if that's something that you've been interested in doing. Uh, the credit card facilities are available and inquiries can go to uh, website waverleybonsaigroup.org. So that is the uh, Waverley Bonsai Show. The Friends of the Melton Botanic Gardens, um, RBGV, New Arid Garden, 14th of August 2019. Uh, we are very, uh, the Melton Botanic Garden are very fortunate at our August meeting to have well-respected Professor Tim Entwistle, who is the Director and Chief Executive of RBG Gardens Vic, as their guest speaker. Um, most people would know, or most people listening would know, Tim is a highly respected scientist, scientific communicator and botanic gardens director. Uh, Tim hosted ABC Radio National's first gardening show, Talking Plants. Uh, Tim has been at the Royal Botanic Gardens Kew and executive director of the Royal Botanic Gardens and Domain Trust in Sydney. And he's um, an absolutely fantastic speaker. I've heard him speak myself. And Tim will uh, talk all about the new arid garden extending Guilfoyle's volcano, which is very relevant to the Melton Botanic Gardens as they have uh, quite similar plants there. So the date for this uh, fantastic talk is Wednesday the 14th of August. It's at 7.30pm. It's at the Botanica Springs Community Centre, which is at 249 Clarks Road in Brookfield. So I'll say all that again. The Botanica Springs Community Centre, 249 Clarks Road in Brookfield. Uh, if you need more information, you can either email friends at fmbg, in other words, for friends, Melton Botanic Gardens, .org.au. Uh, they also have a, a website and a Facebook site, or you can call John Bentley on 97433819. Uh, so that's, uh, yeah, fantastic talk. Another terrific talk that's coming up, which is on Wednesday, the, the 24th of August, uh, the Alpine Garden Society Victorian Group uh, presents Oren Perry, who is a botanist, nurseryman, garden designer and leader of botanical tours uh, from Israel. He's the owner of Seeds of Peace, a nursery specialising in rare bulbous plants, um, we'll be uh, presenting bulbs of the Mediterranean and alpine and other plants of Chile. Uh, this is at the Linda Community Hall from 12.30pm till 5pm. As I said, on Wednesday the 24th of August, members are $25 and non-members are $45. For tickets or inquiries, you can email agsvicgroup at hotmail.com so that's agsvicgroup at hotmail.com 
So that all sounds rather interesting. So lots still going on in winter. So um, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show and I should invite our <coughs> listeners to either ask a question or make a comment. Uh, I'd love to hear about if anyone knows of any more poisonous plants which have been banned from gardening lists. Uh, you can talk to us on air by calling 94190155 or you can have a chat with Doug on the outside line on 94198377. My name is A.B. Bishop and currently with me in the studio is Evan Gorky from Ocker Landscape. Ocker. 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 Why would you not... Why Ocker. could have called it Ocker. Me, when, when Pab asked me to host it, I was like, damn it, always when Evan's on, I can't pronounce... Can't you call it orange and brown landscape? That would just make it so much simpler. Ocker. Such oh. an easy word. <laughs> The, the whales, the orchids. I'm like, nah, it's not whales. It's got to do with colour. It's not just you. I've already forgotten. It's not just you. You. And you just said it ten seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, I write it in my notes as well, and I still can't get it right. Okra, okra I get. Okra. Yeah, I get okra. Oh, oh yes, okra. So yeah. Oka. 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 As in the colour. I know, but I don't know how to pronounce the colour either. <laughs> Ah, there we go. You know, I've it started. It started because when when uh, my wife and I were on our honeymoon, we we uh, were in uh, northwestern Spain mm-hmm. <clears throat> in Galicia, which is the most gorgeous uh, part of Spain. And uh, we uh, we there was a garden that I'd heard about there, and um, it was it was um, and we got into it. Uh, it was winter, but um, we banged on the door and they let us in. <laughs> it was fantastic. And uh, it was spelt O-C-A with an emphasis on mm-hmm. the A, so it was sort of ochre. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, oh, yeah, ochre, we couldn't really call the business ochre. <laughs> it's not really going to work. <laughs> so it became ochre, mm-hmm. and that, that was the genesis of it. So I guess technically if you call it ochre, that's okay, mm-hmm. because that was where it began. Ochre, ochre. Yeah. <laughs> just go for orange and brown. Yeah, okay. Please. Do you change it, it doesn't have the behalf. same ring to it. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you are listening to the 3C Gardening Show. My name is A.B. Bishop, and with me in the studio is Evan Gorky, who is a landscape designer. Now, Evan, I have been, I went through your website last night, and for anyone who is interested in design, even just hopping onto landscape designers' websites and you, you can learn so much information, but you can also get an aesthetic for how that particular designer works and and decide if perhaps you'd want to work with them in the future. So one of the uh, projects that really caught my eye was a STEM project. Mm. Uh, now, can you explain a little bit about how that came about and let's talk about um, yeah. the, the structures that you, you created for that. Yeah, yeah. That's actually being opened a, a year late um, in, so, Oct- oh, in, okay. o- in October. I mean, it is there and it, it's been operating for over a year. But um, I, I guess but we it, should quickly preempt this by saying, for <coughs> people who may not know, that uh, mm. STEM in terms of education relates to science, technology, um, engineering. engineering and maths. That's yes. right, yes. So this this is a school which, 
is um, sort of uh, it's right adjacent to La Trobe University. It's not it, it's not a traditional school. It's a school uh, called um, Quantum Victoria, mm-hmm. which uh, basically has visiting schools coming to it. And they they come for several days and they do the most amazing projects and they have these amazing science sort of chase games mm-hmm. and it's a really fascinating place. So there's usually about 70 kids there at any one time. It's only a small space. It's sort of within another school uh, but, but separate. So they had the idea that they wanted to do a STEM garden in, a, in an existing courtyard uh, bet- uh, in a horseshoe shape of buildings. Um, and it was put out to competition, and um, I, I sort of had a bit of a think about it. And then I remembered many years ago, and this is why travel is so important. Many, many years ago, we were in, I think it was Port Hedland. It was one of the iron ore uh, places over in Western Australia. And over their footpaths, they had um, a steel sheet that had these little sort of uh, uh, mollusk-like cutouts in it, because uh, it's a very hot spot. So you know, walking down the streets, you were in the shade of these, but the reflection or the, the image that was projected onto the ground was fascinating because you had all these sort of weird shapes because it's so sunny over mm. there. Um, so I thought, well, STEM, you know, how can we immerse the kids in STEM? And that's what, it, you know, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to have them immersed in it. Uh, so we came up with the idea of, of um, doing a, a large pergola mm-hmm. Uh, with cut-out steel, stainless steel sheet on the top that has all sorts of mathematical formulas and, um, you know, like DNA strands. Um, names of scientists. Yep, names of scientists, you know, um, you know, Fibonacci sequence, all that sort of thing all over. It's quite large. Yep. And uh, when, when, it, when the sun is out, so it doesn't happen every day, of course, um, when the sun is out, you, it projects all over the ground. Mm-hmm. Depending on the time of year, it'll half project on the wall mm-hmm. as well. So it moves, which is also interesting. It's also a scientific yep. thing for, for kids to understand, well, why is it projecting there now? So it was quite a challenge making it because we had to make it very shallow so none of the structure sort of got in the way of the, um, of the, of the projections. Mm. Uh, but it was really, really successful. So when you when you do when you go in there, the kids are literally immersed in it. It's on their face. Yep, <laughs> it's on yep, their foot. Yep. It's yep. it's on the chair. It's it, it's it's just everywhere, and it's so sharp. And I think one of the, the days I was out there when I was so I was most excited about it was we were standing there having it photographed, and it was a beautiful day. And an aeroplane went over, and the whole image flickered. Because of the the shadow yep. of the plane yep. that went over, yep. so it has all these really interesting things. There's there's some trees in it as well, but it's mostly about about the um, the STEM information, and it did win a um, an Australasian award, which was quite nice as well. So um, yeah, so I think it's it's done exactly what it needed to do. It's got um, it's a place where the kids can go in their break, and it's all, there's also uh, QR codes that are dotted throughout the space. Um, and they can they link those QR codes to um, the internal computer system mm-hmm. or the intranet, and uh, they can change the information on there. So part of what the kids might be doing might be going out and checking these QR codes and seeing what it is that um, they're studying. And so we put we put like a group of banksies in there, and we sort of suggested that the QR code there might talk about Joseph Banks. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and that that sort of thing. So, so rele- relevant to gardening. Yeah, yeah, way. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And was there as much thought given to the plants that were going to be in the area? Well, there's so few plants being able to be put into the area because it was so limited. It looks it looks out to um, like a I wouldn't say it's a wetland, but it's like a drainage swale mm-hmm. that um, has been planted up as well. So it's got a green backdrop. Uh, but obviously, if you're trying to create shade, uh, sorry, yeah, you're trying to create patterns through a pergola mm. that's casting. You can't have too much that's mm. going to grow too that's tall. To, yep. So there are some ironbarks in there that were existing, and we kept those. They're poisonous, you know. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> we kept those, but they're sort of on the correct side. They're sort of on the south side, so it'll be okay long term. Um, but look, it's a fascinating project, and. Uh, and and everyone that sees it is gobsmacked mm. by it. Um, in fact, when it came up on the screen on the awards night, I heard somebody say, "What is that?" Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and you think, "Oh, that's that's kind of cool." Yeah, it, it's interesting because we um, don't often think about the shadows when we're actually designing a garden, do we? And, mm. and, and one of the things that I loved when we were uh, designing those sort of hard landscaping spaces of our garden a number of years ago now was all the little things that you didn't think about in, in terms of shadow and mm. spaces and things that, well, myself, I, I can't visualise until it's actually there. Like I can't look at a, a plan and I can sort of understand the the general aspect of it and what it's going to look like, but it's the little sort of nooks and crannies and, and also the shadow from, from different trees. Mm. We, we think of uh, shade only in terms of can I sit in it, um, is it going to cool me down in summer or is it going to allow me to grow a different suite of plants because it's creating a, a cooler microclimate. You don't mm. often think of it as um, the patterns that can emerge from it, do mm. you? No. Well, I'm fascinated by them and have been for a long, long time. And this was just an opportunity to, to express it. And do you use uh, plants to the same effect? Like, do you plant plants with the express intention that in years to come they're going to create these incredible shadows? Uh, not really. It's more about the light that they cast. Yeah. So uh, it'll be uh, whether you're looking for a, a bright space underneath mm-hmm. or a dark, cool space underneath. Mm-hmm. So you might use a, a plant that... Uh, so what's a good example? Um, in deciduous trees, a, a tree such as Manchurian pears mm-hmm. cast a very dense, deep shade. Yep. Uh, and then a plant, say, like Robinia, which has that sort of yellowish green leaf, yep. that will produce a very a light shade, mm. a bright shade, mm-hmm. if you like. Mm-hmm. So we think of it like that, but not, not so much about the shadows that they'll, they'll produce in, in that the patterns they'll form. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been fascinated by it for many years, and I think the first time I really noticed it was when we were um, we were in uh, on the, the Tanami track, and we were walking on a full moon. So this is in the middle of Western Australia, mm-hmm. uh, and the kids and and Sonia and and we're walking along, and this moon. I mean, we we were dancing our shadows, mm-hmm. you know, and and that was via a moon light and and but they're so sharp mm. and that's when I first sort of really became fascinated by it. that was on the same trip that later I saw the shadows at Port Hedland yeah um, and uh, I I think the more you notice them 
the, the more fascinating it becomes. And we have designed other things that haven't gotten off the ground. Yep. And, and I've got some wonderful dragonflies at home that, uh, that, that we made, um, that, that their wings open and close, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, that, that, that never ended up in a, in a job. Yep. Um, and, uh, I think with this one, I was pretty determined to get it. We don't normally design construct, but it, it had to be design construct, mm-hmm. and so we thought, no, no, we're gonna we're gonna take this on. Um, and I built a model to present, and handed torches around, and so you could you could look yeah. look at how it was going to be. Yeah. yeah. But I think the more you notice shadows and the projections the more fascinating it becomes. I remember many years ago in Boston, we were walking down a street. This is in the, in the late 90s. And there was a, a shop and it had a projector, an old-fashioned fashion projector in the window. This is at night, in the window pointing to the footpath. Mm. And on the footpath, it had a projection of, I can't remember what it was, mm. but it was some sort of image. Mm. And, of course, it, it just brought the shop out into the street mm. and it was just a fascinating idea that you could so cheaply produce signage yeah yeah on the a- street and then in terms of gardening i suppose when you're designing um because microclimates do change do you design for the future or do you design <laughs> a space knowing that these plants are going to grow up and then cast shade so mm. you you use a particular suite of plants which will cope with the sun for a few years mm. and then cope with the shade or do you say oh look this this particular bed is going to need to be redone in a couple of years when that microclimate changes it's a tricky one i think you have to understand what it is that you're trying to produce long term mm. so many people make the mistake of planting too many trees in their garden and, and then long term end up with um, uh, really a woodland garden. Now that's okay if that's what you want long term. Mm, mm. But if you don't, then you have to be very careful where you plant trees mm. because you change it so very, very quickly. So I guess uh, you do, you do plan for, certainly for public projects, you plan for opening. Mm-hmm. Um, you plan probably for the first 10 years. And then you plan forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, forever, to, you know, a yeah. hundred years, yeah. whatever it might yeah. be. So um, there will be a transition of plants, for sure. Yeah. When when you're producing shade trees as well, and of course we need shade trees in this country for all sorts of reasons. Um, but it depends where you you so you have to pick out areas that you say okay this area is always going to be a sunny spot this area we're always going to want to plant, have these sun loving plants that are going to give us the flowers that we we want to illuminate the space mm. or whatever it might be um so i suppose it's just being clever where you plant plant trees mm. um so that you don't end up with that destruction of the landscape or not destruction but the complete change yeah, of the landscape change, down right. down the track because yeah. the other problem is root competition mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, how that changes what you can plant as mm. well. So, and there are a lot of plants that will tolerate with heat, like lower understory plants yep. that will tolerate heat in the long term, yep. uh, short term, in short term yeah. and in the longer term tolerate the shade and the root competition and the dryness that, that occurs underneath trees. Yep. I mean, it is incredible how much light rain gets caught on the leaves mm. of trees and doesn't mm. actually end doesn't up, hit, on, hit the ground, hit the ground or yeah. hit those leaves. Yeah. So, um, 
Yes, so in answer to your question, I I guess we're always thinking of the future and I think that's where hope, and we always have that in our fee proposals, that we are thinking long term, Mm -hmm. not only for um, the the beauty of it but also for the maintenance Mm -hmm. of the space Mm -hmm. because we want to see, for example, in a a playground, we want to see it there in 50 years' time um, still doing its thing. I mean, you, you go around some of the older suburbs and you'll see an old playground and it might have a beautiful old elm tree in it mm. or a beautiful old oak tree. Mm. And you think, well, somebody planted that. Yeah. And they planted that Someone knowing, yeah. well, hopefully, knowing yeah. that yeah. it was going to be 20 metres wide and so on. We were in a school the other day in the suburbs, had some beautiful trees, but the whole school was pretty much synthetic grass. And I said to the principal, you know, this is all very well, it's all very practical and so on, but these trees are not going to last forever. You do need to put some holes where you think it's, it's appropriate and plant, plant a few. Plant, plant you only need to plant one you yeah. or two yeah. or so on, but you need to plant them for, for, um, for longevity yeah. of, of the landscape. Otherwise, in 50 years' time, that school will have no trees. They'll all be gone. They'll be starting back from square one. Yeah. But we've, we've got someone else arrived. Yes, fi- finally Lorena. we have got uh, our other um, amazing landscape designer. Uh, I'd like to welcome Loretta Child. So uh, welcome, Loretta. Oh, I can see you are busting you. to join in that conversation about oh. trees and, and no, no, spaces no. then. I've had a beautiful drive-in listening to a fabulous radio program. <laughs> you know, there's, there's Ocker Landscape. <laughs> i like, Orange and brown, he's changed the name. Okay. <laughs> I don't have any problem with ochre. I can pronounce it, I can see it, I just know, yep, ochre, colour, la la la. So, I yes. can't, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I obviously don't, don't think colour-wise, but uh, yeah, I mean, it is a fascinating conversation and it is mm. one which I'm, I'm very pleased you have joined us for because you, uh, mm. and you might have been listening also yep. earlier when we were talking about the... Um, the, the plants that are banned yes. from, from yes. uh, land, landscape designing. And, I mean, you do a yeah. lot of work with uh, uh, childcare centres yep. yep. and, and also schools. I know you've done quite a few mm. schools as well. So yep. how, like, are you presented with a list of uh, yes plants and no plants? Oh, not, not specifically, but we've got a pretty good idea. It's interesting, the Melia Azarac, that's sort of something that came up years ago and now Metro Trees, of course, produce a non you know, poisonous berries. So that's... It, it doesn't berry. You know, it doesn't fruit. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, mm. you know, you've sort of got to, yeah, look at those sort of things all the time, mm. basically. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And and actually, think of the mature trees um, out in the Yarra Valley. There's a, a, a... Oh, it's been about 50, 60 years, the tree, um, trees out there in a school. And they had enormous cops of liquid ambers. And before we went in, well, you know, the children sort of ran in under there a bit in the shade in the summer, in the winter nothing, and we went in and landscaped beneath those with rocks and and new plantings and things that would be happy in the shade under there, but now it's a haven. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where the children are. They don't Mm. want to be anywhere else. There would be a dozen of them. They're Mm. 50, 60 years old, and it's just a joy to see. It was a huge space, you know, that many trees, and it was never used. Mm. So. What did you plant underneath? Mm. Because a lot of people ha- yeah. do have trouble, especially if they're mature trees. Mm. What can I plant? Is it? Do I need to bring soil yeah. in? Do I need to build it up? Is it going to yeah. destroy the existing trees? Yeah, there's a little bit of everything. And, you know, in the very densest parts, we actually put Lyriope. 
um, and you know because you don't have root competition particularly and things like that and and to the sort of outer areas we we put lamandras and and grasses and you know that sort of thing very simple like it was actually very basic mm-hmm. planting yeah. out and I mean um, overall it's just such a beautiful beautiful place to see the kids and we even brought in um, a really large circuit seven meter deck around one of the trees which we you know made sure we uh, protected their roots and um, now and then did an amphitheatre in rock work up the embankment so they really do spend a lot of their time and Mm. and they're in touch you know with that landscape Mm. Um, we we sort of well we think we complemented it with um, cops of 30 um, what do you call them? Um, Not eucalypts, I hope. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no You're going to be banned from Australia. Yeah. Well, this is, this is up beyond and uh, a little bit up behind the amphitheatre and, and we did um, allocasurinas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I can't believe in four years it is a complete forest. Yeah, you can't see the, so the concrete basketball courts. Mm. You can't see anything, you know. it's mm. And that's behind the amphitheatre which goes down to the liquid amber, which is, you know, a good distance again. But anyway, mm. oh, that's, that's great. That's really yeah, good great, tree. great tree, great tree. For so fast growing. So fast growing. Faster than a sort of, yeah. But they're, they're, they're dense, of course, um, which is the lovely thing. And the wind through them is mm. fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, you can play lots of games with them, you Ooh. know, pulling the leaves apart and putting them back together. Yeah. And um, they have fruit that, um, yep, some people might say, <laughs> No, Choking yeah. hazard, yeah. but you know, really, at the end of the day, you know, they don't drop that many. And, and actually, going into, I was at Cranbourne yesterday, the Botanic Garden. I went to one of their friends' talks, which was fascinating. A geologist um, was talking, um, and uh, when you walk in there, of course, there's the the casuarinas on the yeah. sides, yes. and just the. And my son noticed it actually. He said, "You know, what an amazing carpet that that yes, it is." Yes, of course, it, it, it's fantastic. Yeah. And there were. A, there was a couple of trees that had dropped a lot of fruit. Now, probably the cockies have taken them off probably mm. and dropped them to the ground. But mm. it wasn't all of them. It was only just here yeah. or there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was there was a lot of fruit dropped down. But um, to, to our way of thinking, yeah. that fruit, they, as yeah. I say, they're toys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's really important to have them, oh, you know, yeah. like Banksia nuts yeah. as well. Oh, the children gathering all those well, spiny leaves, <clears throat> I suppose you call <clears throat> them, and... It's just a, a lovely thing to. I mean, I do. You, you, I've got rocks at home that you can't see the rocks because they've just got that carpet mm. over them, which is. I leave as long as I. And actually, I was having an open garden, and I wanted to leave that. And one of the young helpers came and raked them all up. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't quite disperse them in the same way. And I'm just going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the little things that you take. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But the good thing about it too is nothing, mu- well, depending on if you want to grow things under them, but not much grows under them long term, as you see out at Cranbourne. Yeah. You know, they can create very much a, a, a solid mat underneath. Mm. And Look I don't know. Pine tree, really. Yeah. And, yeah. and as a child, you remember that whole thing of mm. going underneath the pine trees and make your little beds. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And cushion Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. and then you've got your toadstools coming up between all of that. So. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Mm. Well, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. I'm A.B. Bishop, and with me in the studio are two fantastic landscape designers, uh, Loretta Childs from Loretta Childs Landscaping and Evan Gorky from <laughs> Oak Cup. 
Landscape. <laughs> landscape. No S on the end. <laughs> if you would like uh, to ask a question or have a, a particular gardening comment, we'd love to hear from you. Our number is 94190155. Or if you just want to have a chat with Doug on the outside line, give, give him a call on 94198377. Let's get to a plant. Well, actually, can I start with um, a disaster story? Please, we love disaster stories. Yeah, story. so I'm going to make a bit of noise here because it's in a plastic bag. But this, when I got back, I've just been to Europe for a little while. You've when I got whenever back... Whenever I see you, you've always just been somewhere amazing. Yeah, well, you, you have to do these things. Whoa, you only live what once. What is that? So that's... Um, Something from Harry Potter, by the way. Yeah, well, that's a broccoli plant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, yeah. if you have a look at the tops of the stems, yeah. little teeth marks. Oh, yeah. right? So I got back... Mm. And um, I had had, like, lots of carrots and uh, lots of broccoli mm-hmm. in, the, in the vegetable garden. And the, the vegetable garden's also connected to an orchard. So, you know, the rats do tend to um, get quite a bit of fruit through the, through the summer. Clearly, they, got in, they must have bred up pretty well this summer because yeah. they were very, very hungry. And they have eaten all the carrots Wow. So when I got back, I looked out the window because the, the veggie patch is sort of out the window, and I thought that's weird. All the all the carrots were like mulch on the top, oh. <laughs> like all the le- yeah. all the leaves and stems were all actually on the surface. Yeah. And I said to Sonia, "Have you been harvesting the carrots?" Or did you thin them or something? She said, no, no, I haven't done anything. <laughs> and no joke, they have eaten the lot. There was wow. two lots of them. And it's a bit like a friend of mine is a wheat farmer up, mm-hmm. up near Horsham. And he was describing to me one day that when they plant their wheat, mm. um, the Corellas and the Cockies, of which there's heaps of them because they're on a tributary of the um, Wimmera River, uh, and so they've just got, like, nesting houses yeah. all the way along in the red gums. It's like high-rise apartments, um, high-density living. And so they have heaps of them. And the cockies go down the rows backwards. They walk along the row. They pull out a wheat seed. They eat wow. it. And they, 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 and they just back their They're way so along. Clever, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what the rats have done in my garden. Oh, wow. <laughs> they've eaten all the carrots. And I was digging around, cleaning it up yesterday. And um, there's there's virtually no carrots left, but the few that are there, it's just yeah. the bottom sort of three or four centimetres of the carrot. Yeah. So they've eaten down each, thought, each yeah. carrot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they've chucked yeah. the stem aside. They've eaten down every carrot. They ate all the um, beetroot. Um, and they've destroyed the broccoli plants down to, like, they've eaten all the leaves and all they've left is the stems. Once they get to about, um, I don't know, what, two centimetres thick, that's where they stop. So by next year, I mean, you're going to have these muscle-bound, good eyesight, like, you know, they're going to be the healthiest rats around. You've got all that iron, you know. You just wouldn't think that, would you? No, I've never had that happen before. Never, ever before. Is that it's climate change? very odd. <laughs> no. I think, actually, it's a consequence of having a very busy year, and Sonia normally does all the apple picking and she's had a very busy year as well and we haven't picked as many Mm -hmm. 
of because we have we have lots of apple trees yep. that are all grafted yeah. and they're all small. Yeah. So we get apples from sort of January to I think we finished the last ones a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So we get this really long uh, fruiting season. Mm-hmm. And uh, but because we haven't picked them all, yeah, a lot have been on the ground. So of yeah. course the rats have been that attracts them. And yep, yeah, they've been into them, and that's obviously bred them up. And then the apples finished, mm-hmm. and they really sort of went, "Whoa, yeah. what's next?" Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's our own fault. Yeah, mm. that that is really frustrating. Mm. All right, well let's go to our first caller. Uh, hello, Ken in Sunshine. Hello, everybody. How are you? I'm very well. I'm as fit as a Mallee bull. Excellent. <laughs> if I was any fitter, I'd be scared of myself. <laughs> um, look, I've got an ease- we've got an easement out the back of our place, and I planted about 15 years ago, I planted all, all indigenous to Sunshine and it's a forest at the back of our place and it's just in it just works in with the garden and it just it's a, I mean it's a part of the garden and also too I've got a I've got an iron bark out the front that's 46 years old and it's four stories high and it's absolutely beautiful so that's all talk, I wanted to talk start. about the uh, the borrowed landscape you've created your own borrowed landscape that's right that's and it's absolutely beautiful and I know and I know quite a number of councillors and I told them I was going to do it and I thought, I wonder if I'll get in trouble for it. No one else has done it. And I've tried to get other people to do it, but they haven't. But it's just absolutely beautiful. Mm. Maybe you should do it for them, Ken. Bit <laughs> <laughs> of gorilla work, gardening. Work, work your way along. <laughs> <laughs> do the birds appreciate it? Oh, look, you were talking about birds before. Our place is full of cockies and rosellas and um, the other... What sort of country would be... Um, I had one when Carellas. I was Gorillas. and... Um, Wattle birds. Galahs. Yes, 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 yes. And we've got all major birds and it's beautiful. Mm. Fantastic. Mm. Mm. So yeah, that's all I wanted to say. I love gardening. Oh, good on you, Ken. Thank you. That's, yeah, that, it's, it would be terrific if everybody went out and planted up their verge. And uh, I, as I drive around the, the burbs, I think to myself, oh, it's a real mm. shame that we have this um, sort of thinking these days that neat and tidy, everything yeah. needs to be neat and tidy or we're somehow a lesser person where in mm. actual fact we should get back to having wild verges. But if you do things in your garden that... that um a little bit messy, it's, you, as though you're in the bush. Yes. And it's lovely. Yeah, mm. which is what, what the inspiration was for Edna Walling and uh, as, you know, her, her English background. But then over the years, um, she saw those beautiful country verges and mm. you, you could see it in her design that slowly but surely she loosened up from, you know, mm. having more of that English neat and tidy. So, yeah, it's a lovely thing. Ken, I think you need to uh, bang on a few more doors and, and inspire your neighbours. <laughs> well, I haven't. I mean, I've had... You know, I'm very active in the court. I have been. I'm, not, I'm getting a little bit old and I'm not as active as what I used to be. But people know that it's there and I... I I do have a shot at them. Mm, I think sometimes it's just beyond people because even when you know horticulture and gardening, it can be a bit of a minefield and not knowing what to plant where and uh, getting confused by everything. So I do, I do understand people's, I suppose, reticence to plant gardens that they might have to actually be in and do something with. Yeah. yeah. But I don't even water the back. Mm. out there and it's growing very well it's, it's absolutely lovely beautiful anyway thanks very much and your program is I, 
like I, I don't go to I don't go to a church. I go and listen to 3CR radio. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and that's my first church in the morning. Beautiful. Yeah, you're only Good 10. Love it. Well, bless you, my son. Thank you. All right, and let's go do Virginia. Who wants to talk about rats? Hi, Virginia. Good morning. I have had a terrible problem with rats in my veggie garden. Yeah. They, they, the beetroot looks absolutely fine, but when you pull it out, it's all gone. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's what I've had. And the, they've eaten all the brassicas. Yep. And my vegetable garden is actually in tin, and it's raised up oh, a thigh height. Mm. So I've gone around and removed everything that's growing up that they can climb up. But even the rockets, they seem to have to climb up the rockets and get into Well, maybe the little rats. Or maybe they just bend it over and... <laughs> They're giant. It, it's frustrating <laughs> as a gardener, isn't it? Because you think you're, you're you know, making, making a bit of an impact on helping save the planet by growing your own fruit and veg at home and then the rats come along and just... But you know, there's what? always something that's going to eat it, isn't there? <laughs> no, I know. What about the oxalates? I mean, can you eat the oxalates? Yeah, right. Why don't they eat the weeds? I really want them to eat my weeds. It doesn't happen. Nice big white tubers with your oxalates. Yeah. Going yeah. juicy. They don't eat the silver beet. They're not interested in silver beet. Huh. No, they're not into garlic either. Any of the alliums mm. they don't get into. No. No. So what have you done? <laughs> I haven't done anything yet. I've been he's thinking been, about he's been it. To the it's a really tricky. <laughs> it's a really tricky one because um, poisoning them is risky to the owls. Um, I won't poison. I, I, I've got a terrible rat problem. I won't poison. I'll mm. kill something else. So it's really tricky. I don't know. I'm, I'm not well, sure. I, this happened to me last year, and I trapped and I caught six. Yeah. And they went off to somebody who's got snakes. Yeah. So what? You, you had a trap cage, did you? Yeah. So and he right. came and, and trapped them. And I'm yeah. going to ask him to do it yeah, again. Yeah, that might be a good solution. Mm. Yeah, trap so cage. What Evan, what I don't understand is you see these people with beautiful vegetable gardens all edged with, you know, sleepers <laughs> on the ground. And I think, well, how the hell do they cope? Mm. I think um, it hasn't happened. This is the first time it's happened to me. Yes, mm. yes. So, and I do think it's a consequence of not picking all the apples. So I think we've just attracted yeah. so many because yeah. it's the first year that's happened as well. Well, my neighbours have got horses and they're not terribly good with their horse feed and okay. they've also got chooks. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but so we I, don't have I chooks. Most compost. I mean, it's, it's not possible not to have things that are edible. No, but you're going to have rats. I, I think that's just the way it is. It's just how many you have. Mm. You know, and at the moment, mm. I think I, I have a plague. Yeah. Yeah. We have had some success with the electronic rat traps. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're battery operated and essentially the rat runs across a metal plate and okay. is electrocuted very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, and and that, you have chooks in the vegetable garden that, area. That's so right, yeah. That's, yeah. But yeah. do you put leather shoes on the chooks so they don't <laughs> run across? Well, it's, it's, very, it's like a little tunnel. It's uh, yeah, very small. Okay. So only, only rats could get in. Yeah. Uh, well, potentially an antichinous could get in as well, but mm. uh, which which wouldn't be terrific. But uh, 
so far we've, yep. we've only got the rats. Mm. But I actually haven't put that out for a while. Um, we did have a rat plague last year and uh, got, got rid of those and uh, we actually resorted to poison in the end um, in, in the chookyard itself mm. and then, yeah, just disposed of, of the dead rats which sort of died in various spots. Um, because it was just reaching play proportions. Mm. Yeah. At one yeah. stage, I was sitting out there uh, talking to the chickens, and there was eleven <laughs> rats. The eleven rats running wow. around, and they just wow. didn't give a stuff about me at all. No. Wow! So it's, uh, <laughs> That's yeah, awful. It's I, I have to say, uh, for me, they are more interested in beetroot than anything else. I have never been so some unsuccessful at growing beetroot. They love it. <laughs> yeah, mm. bloody Very, annoying. That's very sugary. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, well no solution well, from you then, Virginia. To, we need to check in in a month and see if we can get rid of our <laughs> yeah. rats. Mm. Yes, okay. All right, well, I'll let you go. <laughs> Thanks, Virginia. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. 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 And uh, the phone is running hot with uh, rat talk. We've got Jill <laughs> in East Melbourne. What's, what, what are you doing to your rats out there, Jill? No, not, I'm not doing anything with rats. <laughs> My husband retired, thought he'd do the veggies. Planted purple cabbages, our favourite. Four gorgeous purple cabbages. Harvested first one, totally hollow. Full, totally <gasps> hollow. Rats are so yeah. serious. They obviously, they obviously are politicians. <laughs> you know, put on the outside and rotten on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm convinced, Jill, that fantastic. rats here, if you go outside and you say, oh, I'm going to harvest this tomorrow, they will come yeah. out that night and eat yeah. everything. So. <laughs> Every bit. Oh. And guess what? My husband has lost soul, lost heart, no no, no vegetable gardening. Yeah. <laughs> so that problem is solved. They've had to go to someone else's hard work. Mm, very <laughs> anyway, very on the good side... My japonica, which is about 80 years old, because we came here 46 years ago and, and it was ancient then, mm. um, is a haven for birds. Yes. So I'm just saying to people, if you're planting an Australian native's garden, still leave your japonica because it's just such a wonderful spot for which, birds. Which, one, which plant, Jill? I've missed that. Japonica, the flowering quince. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a good old standard with a sort of a, a pink with a sort of slightly orangey tint mm. to it. Mm. And mm. Uh, there were about five birds in it yesterday. Fabulous. And it's in flower now, so, of course, it's, it's, it's got the nectar for the small birds. So, mm -hmm. anyway, mm. there you go. That's the news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Enjoy, the, enjoy the program. Love it. Thanks, bye -bye. Jill. Thanks, Jill. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, Jane from Windsor has called uh, the outside line saying uh, she has a two-storey property going up next door and would like a screening plant. Uh, it's very narrow, i.e. 50 centimetres wide. <laughs> right. She wants a plant high enough to screen the double-storey next door. I'm thinking bamboo is about to get planted there. Well, 50 uh, centimetres. Would love something edible. Oh. Well. Sunny spots. It depends, it depends how... So that's really tricky. Mm, well, it, tricky. it depends on how far away her viewing point is. So if she's talking that she's looking out of her lounge room window uh, to what she used to look out to was some small shrubs in front of a fence uh, and a low-storey house, and now she's looking out to a two-storey house, then it probably doesn't make 
you don't you don't need a very tall plant. Mm. You probably only need something that goes just over fence height. Yeah, a couple so of metres. So de- depending yeah. on the aspect, you get espalier, lots of things. Um, in fact, I even saw an espaliered calistamon in Kew Botanic Gardens. Really? Um, on a uh, south-facing wall, on a warm okay. wall. Um, so depending on the aspect, you get espalier things. You get espalier apples if there's enough sun. Yep. Um, but th- you can espalier lots of things. It's just a case of the, taking the time yeah. to prune them. Yeah. So when you've got such a narrow space, the other the other thing to you to do is to put up some sort of structure and then grow grow something up mm. the structure. Fifty centimeters is incredibly narrow to yeah. grow anything, even bamboo. It's it's really too narrow. Um, so you probably need to mm. need, need to put a structure and put something green up it. Yeah, I think that, it, um, that sarsisium too. That the really really narrow oh, one. Yeah. I've yep. seen that probably six hundred mm-hmm. just yep. walking, and it's green to the base. Yep, yep. and it's green to the top. Yep. One of the lily yeah, pillars. There, there are there are a couple. There's a couple that are, that are absolutely extraordinary, yeah. and I can never understand why they are so. Um, so green down the bottom as well. Yeah, but well, they're shade tolerant. And they're tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that really essentially tough. is a fruit plant as well. <coughs> it is. Well, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Well, there's also uh, there's a very narrow bay tree as well um, yeah. that that you can use as well. Uh, I forget the name of the variety mm. off the top and of my head. And one but of the, the ornamental pears. As a, a yeah, although well, they don't really no, stay white, they they stay narrow. narrow. No, yeah. no, it looks like it on the Fleming site. But if yeah. you have a look at the ones that were planted down at Beaconsfield Shopping Centre about. 20 years ago, um, they're probably five metres wide now. Mm-hmm. And they're still a narrow tree. Mm. The capitals can, can be maintained as quite a narrow, yeah. but it's maintenance. It's maintenance, yeah. yeah. Comes yeah. And, yeah. and if you've got yourself five centimetres and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you yeah. Won't, you'll be breathing in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, There is a really narrow calistamine called Slim, yes. which is a, a taller growing one. in approximately three metres tall, mm. um, naturally gets to about a metre, 1.2 wide, mm. but uh, very easily pruned down to 60 odd centimetres I mean 50 centimetres that's uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's very very narrow you have to also have access from the other side so you have to be friendly with the neighbours that's right mm. yes. you can't put yeah. a hedge on a, on a fence and expect yeah. to cut it from one side yeah. successfully yeah. because it won't and what happens is they just if the neighbour doesn't cut it it gets broader and broader and broader over time and then you can't cut, cut the top because it's too far. The yep. reach is too far. Mm. And, and they do work themselves through the little nooks and crannies in the yeah. fence as well. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and eventually I always think climbers are the best if, if, if it's really narrow on a structure. Yeah. Um, and, and even something clinging like Boston ivy, which I know can run right over your house and so on, but you can look after that. But uh, the thing about it is it only gets as wide as the leaf stalks. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't get any wider. It doesn't get big and buffy. Yeah, yeah. So I guess, yeah, right plant in the right place. It yeah. might be a situation where, yeah, she would be able to use it. Mm, mm. All right. Well, let's go to uh, Leslie in Footscray. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning. Hello. If I, can you hear me? Yes. We can. We can yes, indeed. Good, thank you. Thanks for taking my call. I'm a great supporter of 3CR. Good on you. And um, I just want to ask a question about roses. Well, what's the best time to prune roses? Now. Yeah, right now. You know, right it's now, getting a little bit late. Away with it. I mean, mm. if, I, if I prune it back uh, pretty hard, mm. which I, I want it because they've got too high, mm. uh, will, it, will it still come back in flower um, in the season? Yeah. Yeah. 
It will. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the beauty of leaving it a little bit later is that the buds are already fattening up and you can see you can where they see are. Them. Yeah, for so sure. So it's not such a bad thing to leave it. Yeah. Leave it. You know. And we've been very, you know, as far as frost and with pruning most things, mm. I mean, I think we've had maybe one one light frost and, yeah, one lighter than that. Yeah. So <laughs> Where do you as live? As opposed what, to what? Christmas Hills, Yarra Valley. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's been but you're really on top of a hill and you get lots yeah. of wind. But in general, not yeah. not actually at we, home. We haven't had any. We haven't. No, so Melbourne really doesn't really get them anymore. What about you? Uh, well, I was away for a bit of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. It is usually the case uh, in, in pruning roses. It's usually the case around about the, the, the winter period is when you do prune yeah. them. Yeah, but no joke. You can prune roses whenever you like. I mean, Absolutely. I cut yeah, one but back. The, yeah, but the only thing is if you do prune them uh, late... Mm. You you will miss out on them coming into flower. Yeah, you'd have to be pretty late. I think you're you're not late now. No, no, yeah, yeah. you've probably got a couple of weeks really. Well, actually, that's all I wanted to know because uh, now I I will do it now and uh, and and prune them back because I want to prune them a bit hard. They got too high. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and then um, and then they'll come into flower in the season. Yes, they will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hop into them. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for that. No, no, no worries. Thank you, Leslie. Thanks a lot. Have a good Sunday. And you, cheerio. Bye. Bye for now. All right. So, um, oh, I have another um, <laughs> note that has just been passed in. Um, oh, Paul says, get a cat for the rat. Get a cat, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, and and he, he's got another problem solver, sugar cane along the fence for Jane's problem. Thanks, Paul. So that's ah, yeah, the, the cat is not a bad idea because our, our area is completely enclosed, including the roof. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, we did uh, toy with the idea of asking one of the neighbours for one of their cats. Yeah. So, yeah, it's only the antichinus that you might sort of, like, with yourself, you get concerned with that. Well, you couldn't anyway, have it? Yeah, yeah, I, I would know. Uh, did a, um, a, a, I wrote a story recently on a, uh, a woman who's a permaculturalist and she lives in in a, in a city, can't remember exactly where, Northcote maybe, and uh, Cat Labors. And uh, she um, has got a small, sort of a typical um, size block for, for that area and she's created this incredible food garden and she uses uh, cats simply for um, pest control because, yeah, the the rats were just coming yeah. in and absolutely decimating everything. Yeah. Uh, she keeps them contained in her own garden um, with a very um, sort of uh, residential friendly electric fence mm. which she runs along the top of the fence. It runs the whole way around the property so it keeps yeah. uh, possums out. So that was another issue yep. she was having was the possums and, and rats come. Well the rats, the cats keep the rats at bay and, the, and they keep the um, the electric fence keeps the cats in the, in the yard, the yard yeah. and it also keeps the <coughs> possums out, the brushies, which were yeah. decimating the garden as well. Fantastic. Uh, so she creates, you know, well, grows hundreds of kilos of produce in this tiny, tiny garden and, and specifically uses cats for that purpose. Mm. So, I mean, of course they have their advantages, but... Mm. Uh, I think they have more disadvantages than they have advantages somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I did see you come in oh, with look, that. You I obviously grabbed a few handfuls yeah. and on the, and on the fly. The car, was that? Ah. Well, as you know very yeah. well, this is, I've brought it in before, but just looking at 
the fact that this is an aloe, Southern mm-hmm. Cross, um, and every year it's under my brachychitin. So I have this combination of your really thick, chunky base plant. In amongst all of that is, I think, Lamandra fine filly. I think that's wrong, but it's a fine little lamandra 30 centimetres high so I like to create the fact that you've got a really thick structural sort of plant up there and every year it comes up and I would say they started appearing or four or five weeks ago and structurally you're going to get all of that for probably four to five months and it's just such a well worthwhile plant so and it comes into you know we're not in full bloom yet but um, a soft sort of lemony yellow and a little bit of an orangey base at the bottom of each little flower. Mm-hmm. And I think they're just a fabulous plant. And so I'm primarily native, yeah. but, yeah. Is that a species of spinissima? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. yeah. So it's just, and, and also, you know, people think of, well, you know, cacti and succulent, they're two different mm. things, but... Um, it being a succulent, it, the, it looks spiny and spiky, but it's not. It's mm-hmm. quite quite yeah. okay. It won't yeah. spike you. And it looks beautiful in amongst, you know, 30, 40, 50 of the fine filly, which just Absolutely soften it. And yeah. then in the middle of that is the brachychitin mm. um, repestris, which just mm. looks pretty grand. So mm. it's sort of my special garden I look yeah. out on every day. Yeah. yeah, these aloes are fantastic and uh, are being used more and more. Mm. Um, we, we've used them a lot over the years in nature strips, you know, people's yeah. nature strips yeah. where we have a variety of plants and, and you put a, a compacted gravel down mm. and, and you just leave gaps so the bins can go out and people yeah. can walk across. So this is one of the key plants to yeah. put in there yeah. um, because they work so well and they flower magnificently. They just flower. And, I mean, I, I feel I leave them on for quite a long time afterwards, so you're mm. really extending that, that beautiful structure in your garden. Mm. and. Yeah. Uh, tough as old boots. Rats, rats don't think about them or anything <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah. Nothing touches yep. them. Yeah. And easily so, divided and, yeah. and replanted. Yeah. So it's one of those plants that you can, you know, once you've got it, you can increase the numbers really easily. Mm. Um, yeah, look, an absolute ripper plant. Yeah. Mm. And, and the birds love it, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, the wattle birds. They, yeah. Everything comes in. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. a lot of the New Holland honey eaters mm-hmm. and. Yeah. yeah I've got a, a succulenty type thing here as well. Yeah. But I know I know people when they hear the word yucca freak out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of people sure freak do. out. Hands um, going up. Yeah, hands know. going up. <laughs> but this one this one, um and I just pulled this out of the garden this morning. Um, <laughs> roots and all. You are dedicated. <laughs> you really are. That's why I was flying in in the last two minutes. Um, and being a yucker, it's going to go straight back in the garden. Yeah, well, it will. That's yeah, right. That's it. Well, why don't you even know that it's been here? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> a little bit of an outing. Yeah. <laughs> I had this dream last night. <laughs> so the cool thing, this is yucca filamentosa. Yeah. Now, you don't see it in the nursery industry that much anymore, and I think there was some sort of issue with the tissue culture of it or something years and years ago. Um, sometimes other yuccas are sold as filamentosa and they're not filamentosa. So you can tell this one because, as the name suggests, filamentosa, it has these wonderful cotton-like filaments Mm -hmm. that sort of curl off the leaf margins. Um, And it's a plant that's a clumper. So it only gets, the leaves only get about a metre tall long term, like the actual whole plant. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty long term though, mm. that they get a metre. And they'll, they'll just slowly spread. 
but they flower amazingly and they mm. flower in sort of late November, early December, even up to sort of Christmas. And their flowers are the best of the yuccas, I think. Mm. They're, they're tall, they're, they they're maybe two metres tall, they have these beautiful creamy bells. Pendulous, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, that, that hang off them. Uh, and they flower you know, every year mm. um, reliably and they require very little maintenance. It's often a plant that will be mm. in amongst a perennial border yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's not the yucca that you think that's spiky and got hard tips mm. and very difficult. This one has firmish tips, yep. but it's not, it's not something that you'll, you sort of, um, that'll give you any grief, yep. unlike some of them, like yep. elephant tippies, which yeah. is just horrific, and becomes a very big plant mm. and a tree. Mm. Um, whereas this one is, it's, it's, it's just more of a herbaceous perennial. That's yeah. how you can treat it. And these ones actually came from the back of Sonia's practice, where I had the backhoe down there uh, in spring, to dig a, a, a storm water line, and there was a clump of old ones there. There's not many plants in this old house, but there was that. And they just got busted up and sort of put in the bucket and put out into the car park gardens where it needed soil building up. Well, come about three months later, they've all grown, all from the roots that have just been tumbled yeah. up. They weren't planted, they've just popped up mm -hmm. and I just think that mm. it's like the aloe yeah it's one of those plants that you can just get into with an axe if you like chop it up yeah. stick it just below the surface and it'll come up and you've got all those free plants and and uh, you know you, you'll have a greater display next time mm. yeah so as you're saying you have mm. a lot of them in amongst the, mm. the lamandras and that's what makes the effect and if you can mix it up with other mm. things, you get different emergence, if you like, mm. coming up through. And that's the beauty of, of these sorts of plants. So don't discount all yuccas. All right. The, the, the one that I... <laughs> well, we know the one that Ooh. I have the problem with. Yeah. And, and I'm, mm. I'm still convinced that most people who plant it don't realise that it's going to get to, you know, three metres, four yep. metres oh, yeah, They're tall. a tree. The, yeah. the, they're a tree. I'm sure people think they're going to be a nice little plant that yep. sits down on the ground like some of these aloes, which would be completely fine and they would certainly yep. do the job, but mm. they grow up and they grow in front of uh, lounge room windows. It's <laughs> yes. just the so. most bizarre scenario. Yeah. So, yes. But even elephant tippies, it can be used well yes. if it's in the right yep. spot. Yep. So Because what you can end up with is a multi-trunked plant um, that with all the leaves cleaned off at the bottom can actually be very structural. Mm, yeah. And I know, I know of one in, down at Summers that's like this, that's been there a long time. Mm. And it actually, it actually is quite nice. Mm. It's just that they're often planted in mm. narrow beds in front of windows, mm. as you say, mm. um, in new estates where there's no other yeah. variety of plant mm. and uh, they look look okay, you know, for the first five years and then it's a disaster. They look weird. Yeah. 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 No, it's a, yeah. I think it's a bit of an art to use. And now a listener has called in and said that she was told, this is regarding rats, rat mm -hmm. issues, mm. she was told to scatter dry deb potato powder <laughs> around the base of her compost bin. Best where use she was of having exactly, <laughs> yes, deb I've ever. Think, I can't think of any other use for it um, around the base of a compost bin, she was having trouble with rats. Uh, the rat eats the powder, drinks water, and then its stomach expands. Oh! 
<laughs> As it would. She was told the rats die gently. I'm not sure about that, oh. but uh, having a stomach explosion. <laughs> With a stomach ache. Uh, yes. Um, she tried it and her rat disappeared. So either that or the rat was most offended that she fed it. Uh, <laughs> they looked at her and was like, well, that's it. <laughs> they said, I'm out of here. I'm going. I'm going. So, um, uh, yeah. Yes. All right. So the, obviously the outside line is, is running hot today. So Thelma from Altona would like to know where she can purchase seeds for chrysanthemum morifolium, uh, the Mother's Day chrysanthemum. Yikes. Yes. Um, Gosh, I, yeah, I don't personally, know. I don't would know. have zero idea. Um, mm. I wonder if maybe giving S- Stephen a call, he might know. Yeah. Um, yeah, Thelma, if you rang back and gave uh, Doug your number, I would be happy to do a bit of research on that and uh, try and find the answer for you. Mm. That's, yeah. yeah, that's mm. yep. not growing chrysanthemums at all. I would mm. have zero clue. Mm. Yeah. Yes, mm. I don't even know. Can you go into... Um, the mitre tens and whatnot in bike. I really don't seeds? know. Yeah. They, they do have, you know, most nurseries will have a stock of flower seeds, mm. but I don't know if, yeah. if they have chrysanthemums. You Not something so. I, I get mm. into. Yes. Well, um, we haven't talked about uh, native plants yet. So oh, you've got, you've got some native plants. Oh, okay, so now <laughs> I have sent uh, photos to Liz and she will pop them up on. Uh, our Instagram and Facebook site, the 3CR Gardening Show Facebook site. Um, I brought in a fancy pants pamelia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is very fancy it pants. It is fancy pants, isn't it? Uh, this is hot off the press from WA, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, this is the uh, quallop belt. So this yep. is probably the uh, speckiest of the uh, pamelias. Uh, pamelias, which are known as rice flowers, you yep. don't. Um, yeah, uh, they are all over Australia. Pamelias, but this particular one, of course, comes from uh, WA, south of WA, um, and they're known for their. Uh, well, they're not actually flowers; they are bracts. Uh, in, in, in as much as uh, bougainvilleas have got bracts and then yeah. they've got the little flower thin. So my, my theme for my plants today uh, was actually flowers that aren't. Uh, so this is a flower that isn't. isn't. Uh, so we'll find the flowers and the flowers are in clumps inside these beautiful uh, decorative papery bracts which uh, range from greens to yellows to pinks and, uh, and purples and they are extremely decorative. Uh, the plants are grafted, which makes them extremely expensive, unfortunately. Um, but uh, they're grafted, we think, onto uh, Pamelia ligastrina, which is an East Coast uh, species of Pamelia, which uh, m- makes them much more usable in our humidity, I suppose, because yeah. one of the problems that uh, gardens were faced when they were trying to grow them over, over this side of the country was uh, they really did not like the high humidity. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and, and the really heavy soils. It just wasn't a friend of the quallop bell. But so this is uh, Pamelia fasodes. Do you say fasodes? Fasodes. Sounds okay. Someone said, I like said that. Fisodes, and for ages I said Fisodes, and then I realised, oops, it doesn't have an I in it, so it's definitely Fisodes, or Fisodes, however you want to say it. Uh, it is the quallop bell. Uh, they get to about roughly a metre-ish tall. Uh, they've got typical sort of uh, Pamelia foliage, which is um, uh, sort of little duos opposite each other on the stalks. This particular one has got oval 
shaped probably just over a centimetre, uh, greeny grey, uh, all the way up the stems, and then with the uh, flower um, heads, which are shapes like upside down bells or bells, um, just on the ends of the branches. So they like, you would think that, well, I would have thought they liked a sunny spot, but apparently they don't. They okay. like a shady spot. Right. Or shady, shady ish spot. Sort filtered light. Yeah, yeah. filtered light. Yeah. Um, so a bit of an underplanting if you sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why, but I sort of think that everything that comes from WA yep. likes really sandy soil and to be in full sun, but that is not the case. <laughs> I mean, they grow naturally in sort of gravelly soil. Soils that yeah. are on, on top of sort of heavier soils, okay. and in in those dappled shade sort of forested mm. conditions. So, yeah. uh, but I mean, if you've got heavy soil, if you've got really heavy clay, you'd want to either mound the bed mm. or keep it as a pot plant. Essentially, yeah. uh, they they really are specky and at this time of the year at the nursery we've been um, trying to get them for a couple of years now yeah. and uh, we have an order book there and it was just Grevillea Blood Orange and Paula <laughs> Bell pretty much if we got rid of those plants the, yep. the order book would be halved <laughs> essentially so this wow. is one of the plants that people well they're like gold I'm still coping with the price there yeah, <laughs> yeah the pr- it is, it is real, the, it's $60 for, for an 8 inch pot and the plant's probably about you know just over 40, maybe 45 centimetres tall. Um, but if, if you want to feature a plant, yep. um, it's certainly, yeah, it's mm. one of those ones which is terrific. They, they're used as a cut flower plant, and you can see why, and they do last pretty well yeah. as a cut flower. I believe the, um, the client, whoever it might be, must choose that plant. I won't take responsibility. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Too. Oh, just yeah. yeah. But people have been coming into the nursery and buying like yeah. five at a time. Wow. And, uh, there are plant. They will. They will go. We've got a limited number at the mm. nursery, which is uh, terrific. Which is Karanga Nursery, um, for people who don't know. But I believe that um, you know other hardware, well, you know, nursery mm. centres, of course, have them as yeah. well. So, yeah, we, we brought in a, a whole lot. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and with good gardening advice, you know, as you do get at Karanga, um, and if, if people follow, you know, your advice, isn't it? Mm. You don't want them coming back and they've planted it in clay and yeah. it's turned up. And yeah. 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 So it is uh, one, of, one of the specky plants. And, yeah, you can have a look at the, the photos up and see what all the fuss is about on the Facebook site or Instagram. But uh, yeah, so that's that's one of mm, my little flowers yeah. that aren't flowers plants that I mm. brought in. And yeah, I said, yeah. Oh, what the only well, the, you're the only other thing I had, which I just whipped out of a vase on the way in. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> matter where they As come, I was eating my toast. Always a toast. <laughs> So, um, I, well, it's a succulent again, yeah, so of course yeah. it's flowering now, as, mm. as a lot of natives are now starting to flower. Mm. Um, this is Aeonium, common as muck, mm. um, Swartzkopf, the, um, the, the dark-leafed uh, um, succulent that, that you do see around a lot yeah. at this time of year, has the most spectacular yellow uh, uh, inflorescences, um, and it is a great cut flower. Mm. So these you can you can pick them and put them in when they're just in bud, yeah. And put them on your kitchen bench. These have been a couple of weeks already, and they they'll last 
four weeks yeah, easily. Yeah, yeah. Easily. Um, and I'll probably shoot roots by the end of it as yeah, well. You know? yeah. But uh, it, but it is. It's a spectacular colour. Just lots of tiny little daisy flowers over on a, on a pyramidal shape. And it is just a really good cut flower. I, I think often mm. people don't think of succulents as a cut flower, but yeah. it, it really is excellent and so easy to grow. You can just leave it down by the back shed and let it do its thing. And then, yep. you know, this time of year, every year, go out and grab mm. it and cut a few off and put them, put them in a vase. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, Aeonium is a, is a really good plant for cut flower, even if you don't particularly like it in your garden. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good plant just to pick and, and put in a vase because mm-hmm. they're tall as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, and, and did you get... Uh, the time to take a photo and, and send that to Liz because if you didn't, uh, I'll do it after I the didn't. show. Yeah, that's no. right. So just of the, I suppose of the, um, what you call it, the yucca and the aonia. <laughs> Your favourite yeah. yucca? Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's gorgeous. <laughs> I actually like it. I do. I do. She's going yucky yucca. Gritted teeth. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> what, what's happening over there? That's a little oh. bit of our lovely little Pandoria pandorana. Yeah, what a great plant. You just can't go past it. This is. Um, as I was running out the door. Um, yeah, just it's been climbing and flowering over a big old stump, and I think it's one of the best things you can do to a stump. Yeah. You mm. know, your stump's there, it's, it's got habitat. lots of habitat, yep. and then you put your old Pandoria over it, and I'll give it a little bit of a prune back mm-hmm. at various times, and not that fussed, but, mm. yeah, after flowering. So beautiful, lovely little bells as the Pandoria does have. And, I like uh, that one sort of white with the purple yeah, tips. Yeah, the purple tips are lovely. So, And also, I think people um, forget about the fact that it's quite exotic looking. It's got that lovely deep green leaf. Mm. And it's. Um, I, I think a lot of people from overseas get quite surprised when they see these sort of exotic type of things, like the mealia. The mealia is sort of one of those mm. things that it's quite right, exotic yeah. looking yeah. and mm. um, comes with that beautiful mauve flower on that new species. Mm. And the mauve flower is quite spectacular against that dark leaf. Mm. It's mm. really good. But that's, I mean, that's one which I've seen it growing on a, an old farm gate, and I'm assuming they don't open and close the gate anymore because mm. it's created this incredible mass. It's a veil, isn't it? It, it totally I see it is, as a veil. Yeah. yeah, and the little birds just love it. Yep. They, mm. I didn't examine closely, but I assume there must be a few nests mm. inside there because mm. it does create quite a thick sort of yep. thicket, a yep. thick thicket. A thicket. Mm. Mm. Yes. Mm. Although it's not as big as the, the one that... So this is a small flowered Very small. pandaria. Yes. And yeah. so the flowers are only about centimetre and a half long. Yeah. But, but also what comes along with that is a much more manageable plant. It's yeah. still a big plant. Yeah. But it's not like uh, the other pandaria, which I've just talked about. Jasminoides. 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 Um, it is really big, mm. buffy, mm. Um, yeah. very woody. Uh, whereas this one, you know, you can climb that up something yeah. and you can keep it Mm. a little bit sort of contained and it's not so woody so it's by far and and it's a mass of flowers so the flowers are much smaller but there's masses of them which I do think it's so much better even Mm. though on a in a pot with a colourful label probably doesn't look as spectacular. Yes, yes. But in reality is and where you can see them is uh, on the Monash Freeway on the um, burn, around the Burnley exit, mm. they they're growing up the up the um, wooden what are they sound barriers and okay, so on yeah. and around near the roundabout um, that's where you come off the the Monash at um, 
at Burnley mm-hmm. as well. You can see them growing on the barriers there. And, and if they're flowering now, they'll be very noticeable and you'll really get a feel for how striking they yeah. are. Yeah, and the jasminoides need, you know, they, they want to go up and then you'll often get them being quite top-heavy. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. No, good plant, but yeah. certainly not as... And, and the, the gungura, the, 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 you know, original species of the little yellowy... It's beautiful, mm. beautiful, delicate, yellowy, browny flower. Subtle, yeah. but still mass flowering yeah. when it's really happy. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, we've had a few more callers from the outside <coughs> line. So, Thelma, in answer to your query regarding the Mother's Day chrysanthemum, apparently Garden Express have them. Mm. So uh, I'll leave that with you. Uh, Bernie from Langmorran. Um, are couriers okay planted in sandy soil? Um, and when can he move nephophias, the red hot pokers? Probably any time. Yeah, any time for <laughs> red hot pokers, yeah, whenever yeah, you feel like yeah. it. Corriers in sand, well, I suppose you... <coughs> I'm not an expert on corriers, Well, you've got to feed them. Corrier, you've got to, you know, get the soil. You can't just yeah. go whack in the sandy soil. Yeah, well, corrier alba is, is certainly... Uh, it's probably even called the coastal... Yeah. Corrier, is it? Um, Corrier alba enjoys sand mm-hmm. and doesn't enjoy wet feet, um, that's for sure. Mm. Um, so I, I don't know about many of the other corriers. I think Pulcella might be okay in sand as well. South Australian one? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but uh, some of the others might just dry out a little bit too much. So, like, Dusky Bells probably wouldn't be putting that in straight sand unless... I mean, you wouldn't be putting, adding <coughs> a, a decent amount adding. of compost anyway. Yeah. Well, carefully, because yeah. um, they are a little bit sensitive, um, your couriers. I so haven't found them sensitive to compost. Oh, haven't you? No. Oh, okay. No, I think you don't want to <coughs> feed them, feed them, manures, but compost is, yeah. is probably mm. fine with it and... Um, yeah, and a little bit like your leucodendrons and whatnot, um, you have to be really careful with your food, um, particularly um, mushroom compost. You certainly don't. You, they, they forget it. Yeah. They do not want mushroom yeah. compost yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah, but I mean... Well, that's are, a high phosphorus. Yeah, we, that's we, why. we know yeah. they're... I mean, mm. curries are tough little plants, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, so definitely worth a shot, I, I mm. would suggest. Yeah, but curry or is the, the obvious the one. one. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And yeah. mulch, mulch. Yeah. Just get some mulch in there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Angie from Mount Arthur has got a fantastic solution to the rat crisis that everybody seems to be having. Feed them plaster of Paris oh. with milk and then sell them as decorations. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Right, and, and quickly, she has a question. We're going to be wrapping up in a minute, but um, she has a pig face under yuccas. With weeds coming through. Well, that'll mm. teach you for planting yuccas, Angie. Oh. <laughs> How can she control the weeds? That's always a tricky one in, uh, amongst uh, prickly plants, isn't it? Well, no, I think she said pig face. Yeah. Pig, no, pig face is the issue. With weeds coming through. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. really difficult yeah. with pig face because it doesn't always cover really well. It's not the yuccas fault. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, so really, it, it's, it's hand weeding. It's hand weeding. Yeah, it's yeah. really yeah. hand weeding. Yeah. Get, get in there and uh, yes, yeah. no, no other way around it. Yeah. There are there are pig faces that are you know is obviously more and more selection going on in pig faces, and you see them around where they're getting more dense. Yeah. They're getting tighter, shorter yeah. internodes, and yeah. so on. So um, they are getting better and better. Yeah. 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 Mm. And there's also a, 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 sh- a small-leafed one. There. I always forget the uh, name, Australian one, Dephysma or d- Dysphyma. Dysphyma, mm-hmm. I think it might be, mm-hmm. which is yeah. Yeah, the short-leafed one. Yep. 
But, um, well, I can't believe it, but mm. we are actually at the end of the show. Um, so I'd like to thank Liz and Doug very much for um, looking after the phones for us. I'd like to thank Evan and Loretta for coming in and sharing your knowledge with us, as usual. And I'd like to thank the listeners for tuning in to the 3CR Gardening Show. Uh, my name is A.B. Bishop, and Pam will be here again next week. So until then, bye for now.